0: Hi, I'm Chris Damaris, and I'm Aaron Marquis, and you're listening to Byte. Bite, Yum.
1: Hey, all you listeners, welcome to Input 2. Uh, I know this might be a little new for some of you out there, but um, For those of you who don't know, Input 2 is Ball State's, or ByteBSU's premiere TV and film podcast. Uh, This is our first episode as of the record, so uh, we're very excited to start talking about the uh, aspects of film. We're going to go in and analyze uh, stuff like production choices, lighting, uh, camera shots, stuff like that. Hopefully, it should be fairly interesting for all of you out there, and hopefully, everyone will learn something. My name is Wes Womble. I am your host. Alongside me, I have my co-host... Mitch Smolik. And we have two wonderful guests with us here today. I have on my right... Matthew Yap. And across the table from me...
2: Sarah James.
1: All right. Um, The theme for this week, and each episode of Input 2, we will have a theme. Um, We will discuss general films, um, but mostly we'll focus on two films. The overall theme for this week, however, is horror films. And specifically two films we decided to focus on was Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho and Drew Goddard's Cabin in the Woods. Um, Before we get into those, I kind of want to just lighten the mood a little bit before we get into the deep and scary stuff. Um, I'm going to ask all of you here to name your favorite horror film. So why don't we start with my co-host?
3: Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. And why do you like that film? (laughs) Because it sort of plays plays on the role of uh, hillbilly murderers hmm I actually
1: have seen that film as well. It's probably one of my favorites. I'll just kind of jump in here and claim it as also one of my favorite horror films. Um I like it just because um it I almost almost don't even consider it horror at that point. It's pretty it's comedic to the point where the horror is almost just a non factor. It's kind of a background setting. And it's really interesting how it covers that. But um anyway, that's enough about Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Let's go throw it over to Matt. What's your favorite horror film? Uh
0: Scream. Hello. I Sorry. Why do you like Scream? <laughs> I love the entire franchise, but I just really love slasher movie, and I feel like that one kind of goes a little meta to the point where like there's all the rules, and it's like really good horror. I just really enjoy it. Good
1: thoughts. Good thoughts, Sarah. What about you?
2: Hmm, the first two that came to mind are either Sleepy Hollow uh, with good Johnny film. Depp by Tim Burton, because I love Tim Burton and Johnny Depp in basically anything. And uh, Shaun of the Dead, because you can't go wrong with Simon Pegg, and British humor is amazing.
1: Edgar Wright is probably one of my favorite directors out there. Um, I love all of his works. The Cornetto trilogy is hilarious to me. So, But yeah, um, with that being said, we're going to kind of jump into the meat of the podcast. We're going to start by discussing Psycho and all the fun things about that. Um, For those of you who don't know, uh, Psycho is Alfred Hitchcock's film. It could be stated as the granddaddy of all horror films. It was released on September 8th, 1960. Um, A lot of interesting choices with this film, wouldn't you say, guys?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm
1: -hmm. Excellent film. I loved
2: it. I absolutely loved it.
1: All right. um, I'm going to start it off by specifically talking about the release of the film um, and kind of throw it to you guys from there. Um, For those of you who don't know out there, the release of the film was a little weird. Um, Horror films hadn't really been a thing uh, before this film. Um, They're mostly thrillers or just like deep dramas, stuff like that with tense moments. But um, horror was never really a thing. So Alfred Hitchcock, what he did was um, he stated that nobody would be allowed into the theater once the movie had started. Nobody was allowed to come in late. Nobody was really allowed to leave either. Um, They had to sit through the movie. Um, and that was kind of interesting because he basically made everybody there his captive guinea pigs and kind of <laughs> what the movie and kind of just to see how they'd react to the movie. Um, I know you guys probably didn't lock the doors and keep yourself locked in a film viewing room while you watched this. But uh, what did you guys think about kind of the background of the film, specifically talking about how it was released and what Alfred Hitchcock decided to do in theaters?
0: I felt like the main selling point of the movie was just kind of like this building tension the whole time and like especially with the fact that horror hadn't really been done before, people wouldn't really know what to expect so to just have to sit there and like wait for it to build would be a, kind of a really scary experience and just really add to the movie.
1: Good thoughts. Anybody else want to jump in here? Maybe Sarah?
2: Yeah, I think especially for Psycho, for any movie you should really try to watch the entire thing in one go because mm-hmm. that's that's what the filmmaker intends but especially for Psycho because... Hitchcock introduces a main character right off the bat that you're supposed to empathize with, that you're supposed to follow, and then she gets killed off halfway through the movie. And if mm-hmm. you come in partway through without the moments to empathize with her, then you don't get that weird sense of like loneliness or shock for the rest of the film because you don't know, as an audience member, who to follow, who who is the main character of this story from that point on. You feel kind of lost. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that beginning... If you jump into the end, or vice versa, if you only see the beginning and don't get the emotional fallout at the end, then that kind of ruins the eeriness of it.
3: Yeah, I made the mistake of uh, having to pause the movie halfway uh, to use the restroom. Oh, no.
1: (laughs) Big mistake. Any other thoughts besides, while you were in that restroom break, let's say, did you have any pondering thoughts about the film,
3: what might happen next? Well, um, this was was a rewatch for me, so I pretty much already knew what was going on, but... Yeah. All right.
1: Um, So with that out of the way, let's kind of dive into um, how... I know we talked about the building tension, as Matt said. Um, How would you kind of think that played into the story? Do you agree with what Alfred Hitchcock did to kind of lock people in the theater, so to speak, so they had to finish the film? Did you like how he did that, or do you think maybe... Um, the film could be handled in a different way with specifically talking about its release.
3: The way he built tension by, uh, uh, having the audience stay in the theater and not able to enter or leave, I believe, uh, added to the effect that the movie would have mm-hmm. for them. And I don't know about you, but when I first watched this film, it
1: was actually in a, uh, film class. So I obviously had another audience members around me, um, and we were, obviously weren't allowed to leave in the middle of it to film viewing class, of course. But um, one thing uh, that was kind of interesting to see was everyone else's reactions to the film. And I think that's one of the reasons why Alfred Hitchcock kind of did that, um, to see how people would react to this type of film. Because, as I said, th- something like this hadn't been done before. And, um by something like this, let's kind of talk about the production aspects of the movie. Um, he made a lot of interesting choices. Um, a lot of films at that time were starting to come out in color. He made it black and white. A lot of films at the time were getting bigger budgets. He tried to budget a little small. So uh, do you guys have any specific thoughts on these kind of choices? Or
2: I thought it was fascinating the fact that he made it in black and white. And when um, I watched Psycho for the first time, like last month with my roommate Mm -hmm. and when we first started watching it we didn't think anything of it and then as as we were kind of doing research as we were watching the movie we're like wait this came out in 1960 like movies were out in color at that point why why did he choose that um but i think it's really interesting that he he thought it was a good decision i think it made wasn't you can correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't it also like the the infamous shower scene um yes the gore level of that, which of course now he, we look at it as like nothing, but that's also yeah. part of why it was black and white.
1: Um, yeah, uh, one of the thi- one of the things um, <laughs> when you bump the mic, uh, one <laughs> of the things Alfred Hitchcock uh, thought was um, might have been a little too R-rated, so to speak, for theaters uh, was the fact that if it was released in color, he thought it would have been too gory. Now, obviously, as we look back on it and look at compare it to modern horror films today. Uh, We know that's not the case. Um, We'll get specifically into the shower scene later because that is obviously an Mm -hmm. iconic scene about the film. Um, But any other thoughts on the black and white choice maybe?
0: Uh, Yeah, I had never seen the movie before last week. I watched it specifically for the podcast. And just the fact that like it was so low budget and it was just them kind of like walking around this weird looking like motel and it was in black and white. The whole thing just really was unsettling to me that it was just so, just like everything was so calm and it definitely wasn't what I expect now for horror movies to be. It was just
1: very unsettling. Nice. Any thoughts on this, uh, Mitch? I know you said you had watched psycho twice now, so.
3: Yeah. The, it being in black and white, I believe uh, that it allowed for Hitchcock to, uh, Play around with lighting a bit more to make it Definitely. S- more subtle and creepy, which I loved.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. Going into the black and white, kind of segueing off of that a little bit. Um, obviously, black and white's a little cheaper to produce. Um, and that's one thing I said I would mention is the budget of the film. Um, I believe this film did not have a budget of over a million dollars, in which back in the day, a lot of them were starting to be multi-million productions. Um. This film was relatively cheap to produce, but obviously it made a lot because uh, it's one of the most iconic films out there today. Um, What do you guys think about the the budget choices and stuff like that? Do you think if it had been a bigger budget film, would it have been better, so to speak? Or do you think the lower budget maybe helped kind of keep it within its own little guidelines, so
3: to speak? It would have been interesting to see if they did have a larger budget for the audio aspect of the movie Mm -hmm. because... Given their limited budget, uh, they sort of had to play around with the the music to build up uh, tension in certain scenes.
1: And specifically kind of talking about the music, because I love that you brought that up. um, One thing Alfred Hitchcock did, um, he paid, I can't remember his name, and um, I'm sure that I'll get some crap on the forums. But um, (laughs) one thing uh, he did was he paid his score writer um, for the soundtrack soundtrack. more than he originally intended just because he loved the way um, he composed the music. The music he said was one of the, I believe he said it was 33% of what made the film so great. Like, And oh, that yeah. was that's huge for a film, to have the music be so influential and stuff like that. Um, do you guys have any thoughts about the music specifically? Did you like the way it was done?
2: Oh yeah, I absolutely love the theme for Psycho. I think it's absolutely gorgeous in this creepy way that that builds suspense, but it still has this this melody line that almost seems peaceful and calm. Um, and I've, before I even watched a horror movie, my, my parents have this this CD of like scary music that we'd stick in a boombox and play mm-hmm. on Halloween. And the Psycho theme was on that CD, and I always thought it was gorgeous, even though it kind of creeped me out.
1: Yeah. Any thoughts on this, Matt?
0: uh just kind of like you said the like calmness of it was really weird and then i think just the like uh sound that is in the shower scene they like uh, 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 it's just such a, like an iconic thing that like now we just associate that as like a horror sound
1: and that's one thing i kind of want to i guess i'll segue into it now i said i'd talk about the shower scene obviously being one of the main things in this movie that people remember um one little fun fact about the shower scene before I start, you know, delving into all the technical aspects of it. Um, believe it or not, that was the first time a toilet was shown in film. Yeah. Um, you you don't really think about that as being something that matters too much, but that was huge back in the day. They thought that was, like, almost obscene to show a toilet in this type of film. But um, anyway, uh, just a quick little aside right there. I love to share that fact. But um, so the shower scene, obviously, if, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's um, you can find it pretty much anywhere on YouTube or on the internet. Um, what did you guys specifically, just your initial reactions to the shower scene, before we delve into the technical aspects, what did you feel when you watched that scene?
2: Initially, my thought was, I can't believe it's happening right now. It happened so much earlier in the film than I would have anticipated. Going into Psycho, knowing it's an iconic horror film, knowing that the shower scene is an iconic scene... And the fact that it happened, like, way early on, like, before the first half of the film was even done, I was really shocked by that. Um, But beyond that, uh, I don't know, is this a spoiler-free podcast?
1: Uh, You are allowed to spoil anything you want.
2: Uh, The next thing, the next (laughs) thought I had when watching the shower scene is, dang it, I wish I didn't know that that was Norman Bates. Because if I, I feel like, I love the film anyway, but I feel like I would have loved the film even more. If that secret was still kept from me, because I knew, I knew that Norman Bates's mom was dead going into the film, and so I wish for that scene specifically. It's like, dang it, I wish, I wish I would have thought that was his mom. That would have been even better. You
1: spoiled it for yourself.
2: I did, not on purpose. <laughs> I feel like it's just—it's a movie that's been around for a long time. It I feel has like been. that's just public knowledge at this point.
1: Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on this, Mitch?
3: Um, yeah, initially watching the movie, I was also so—I was also in shock uh, when. Uh, the shower scene showed uh, Ma- Marion uh, getting killed.
1: Yep. Any thoughts on this, Matt?
3: I I actually had kind of a different reaction to it. I was
0: really disappointed by the scene, which sucks because it was such an iconic scene, and I was like building myself up to it. But just because of like it was the time, but like it was so obvious she was not being stabbed, and like the gore level I'm doing air quotes here, kids, was just <laughs> not anything i expected i was just kind of let down i was like this is the huge intense scene i was like waiting for it was it was kind of a letdown for me
1: and one thing you specifically mentioned it right there is um the gore level wasn't up to your standards i mean and you kind of talked about how it was relevant for the time right there but um one thing that made it kind of interesting for that scene was actually the editing behind it um the knife never touches her skin Marion's skin um you never see it It's a bunch of quick cuts, obviously, but you never see it touch her skin. If you watch each individual cut by itself, it never comes even really close to her. Um, All you see is just, you know, obviously you hear the sound, that iconic sound of the stabbing. Um, You see her screaming, and you see the knife going up and down. You never see it actually make contact. Um, And even then, if it had, this film probably would not have gotten released. So um, that kind of tells you a little bit about the time this movie was kind of playing around in. Do you guys have any thoughts on maybe with the way people felt back then maybe if they had done it do you think it would have been better received worse received
2: i don't know if it necessarily would have been better received if people were already so reserved about it to begin with yeah. i mean obviously we can look back at it now with when we have a whole genre of horror dedicated specifically mm-hmm. to cutting people up like that's we look at psycho now and being like oh that's nothing but i can definitely understand the shock for something like that coming out in the 60s
3: yeah i believe it was a good introduction to the starting of the horror genre mm-hmm. and that's kind of um
1: one really nice thing about psycho i will say is um it did kind of start that horror genre whether it knew it at the time or not um that genre was pretty much founded on that scene right there um it was just this shocking scene that nobody had ever really seen before we never really saw a killer sneak into you know, someone's bathroom and stab them while they're taking a shower and then cut to a shot of a toilet for the first time. But um, speaking of shots, I kind of want to talk about the way the movie played with uh, the camera. Um, And specifically by this, I mean um, there were some times where they showed things on camera that weren't actually to scale. Uh, One specific example I have is the Bates Motel and the house in the background. The house actually was not a scale model house. It was actually uh a lot smaller um it just looked bigger because of the way the camera forced the angle and there were plenty of examples of the way the camera played with angles in this film to make people look bigger smaller specifically the stair step scene was another iconic one the way it used the camera angle to kind of zoom down the stairs but um what did you guys think about the way the movie played with the camera uh
0: like you said the stair scene i really enjoyed that scene uh just like Kind of the like, the, like you said, the way it zoomed out. Because like again, for the time you obviously aren't gonna have someone fall down the stairs like dramatically. But I thought it worked well, and I, I just feel like everything in the movie was done very smart, just to like, kind of
3: give this creepy vibe, like the house on the hill. Like it was just very well shot. Another scene that comes to mind is a, uh, is a long shot of a, uh, just the house in general, where uh, we're just shown the house and. We suspect that Norman's walking around, mm-hmm. trying to find Marion, and I believe that uh, adds to the suspense of the movie as we try and imagine what's uh, going on throughout the film.
2: Oh yeah, all the shots of, especially at the end when they're trying to find the the detectives are trying to find mm-hmm. exactly what's happening, and um, you know, long shots of of empty doorways leading into rooms where we're not entirely sure what's going on, or yeah. down staircases. I think it just builds that level of suspense of because at that point unless you spoil it like I did, uh, no one knows exactly what they're looking for. <laughs> yep.
1: And you guys, I think, have all mentioned it now. Um, the way the movie plays with your, your level of suspense and how it builds tension. Um, what specifically, can you, if you guys can name a few things for me, what specifically built tension for you? Because there are a few things that, were, that Alfred, was, Alfred Hitchcock was kind of looking to do, and there were some things that were just kind of byproducts of
3: uh, what, how the film was just made in general. Uh, going back to the shower scene, the way that the camera just stayed eye level uh, with Marion's eyes
2: mm-hmm.
3: as she was getting attacked, I believe added uh, to suspense. Mm-hmm.
2: The first scene that came to mind, and it's not even necessarily the most suspenseful part, but uh, the whole sequence of Norman Bates hiding Marion's body, like where you see like painstaking detail of him like wrapping up her body, of mopping up the entire bathroom, like loading it in a car, and then dumping that car in a swamp like that because I just expected something like someone to find him or there to be more of a conflict but no it's just shot by shot this is how he got rid of the body and I don't know it's that entire sequence kind of shocked me
0: for the like the car thing when he pushed it into the swamp thing whatever that was and it didn't sink all the way I felt like panicked, intense. I was like, "Oh no, what is he gonna do? He's a killer. I shouldn't be sympathizing with him." But like, when the car finally sank, I felt so weirdly relieved that he got that body hidden. Like it was, it was a good scene.
1: And um, that's one thing uh, I kind of want to talk about. Um, you said you sympathized with Norman Bates. I kind of want to talk about the characters in general, the way they were written, and the way you felt um they were performed. One, let's start with performances, just because that's a little bit more technical. How do you think um? everyone did performance wise do you felt like the characters were true to their nature do you felt like they could have been acted in a different way so to speak so that they came off a little more uh how they were supposed like how you thought they were supposed to or as opposed to how alfred hitchcock thought they were supposed to act
2: i thought um dang it i'm going to forget his name anthony perkins i almost said anthony hopkins i'm like no that's silence of the lambs <laughs> which is another great film but anyway um anthony perkins performance as norman bates i think is is iconic in its own right Um, the way that he plays this obviously mentally disturbed psychopathic killer, I think is really interesting because again, at that time it had never been done before. And it's something that I think a lot of movies continue to play with, but I don't know if anyone's ever got it as right as, as it was in psycho where it's someone who, who is clearly not okay where you see him in certain moments and he seems sweet and kind and helpful, But you don't know about his dual personality of the mother figure that exists within his head and that entire dichotomy between Norman Bates and his mom that exists within the same brain. I don't know. It's it's something that I don't think has been replicated multiple times. But I don't know if anyone's got it as right as Anthony Perkins.
1: Good thoughts. Um, I like specifically how you said mentally disturbed. Um. That's actually really interesting in the context of the film, societally speaking, of course. Um, I'm going to kind of throw it to the societal relevance of the film um, when it was released. A lot of what was happening around that time was uh, mental illnesses, quote-unquote, were starting to be... They were starting to get a lot more press, um, is what I'll say. Um, and you thought he had this kind of dual personality between him, himself, and the mo- himself and the mother. Uh, I can't speak, but uh, <laughs> kind of bad for a podcast. But... Um, <laughs> Himself and the mother being this kind of dual personality that he kind of guarded himself. Um, do you feel like the film almost hindered um, the way mentally ill people were like perceived in that time? Or do you think maybe it helped gain traction to kind of get these people the help they
2: needed? Um, that's a really interesting question. Mm-hmm. I think... It could kind of go either way. I mean, I'm sure some people who, who could potentially suffer from having multiple personality disorder, like that's, you know, turning turning someone with multiple personality disorder into a killer. Probably not the best thing for that mental illness, but at the same time, I think the way the character was written and the way the character was played, he's sympathetic enough. To make you feel for him because i did I did feel bad for Norman Bates throughout the film that he yep. is living in this mental hell with his mother, and like
1: even Matt stated yeah. he felt he felt tension when he couldn't hide the car I mean that's one of the things that the the film did really well was they made you sympathize with a lot of the characters, even though they weren't necessarily the nicest of people um but kind of going back to mental illness, Matt Mitch, any thoughts on how the movie portrayed it uh yeah,
0: I think that like. Just the phrase itself, psycho. Nowadays, like, people just kind of throw psycho out there for, like, anything. And so, like, I feel like it kind of did create a lot of hype around the, like, this crazy person is dangerous. Like, anyone with a mental illness is dangerous. It just kind of shed a frightening light onto people who couldn't necessarily control their own
1: thoughts. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts, Mitch, or? No. All right. (laughs) Um, So... All right, um, I'm going to kind of switch it over now to Cabin in the Woods. We may or may not touch back on Psycho, um, just depending on where our conversation takes us. But um, Cabin in the Woods, for those who don't know, um, is a comedic horror film. And I say this almost loosely just because um, I can't really think of any horror films before it that actually were qualified as comedic horror films. I think this was the first one that kind of used its comedy to almost become um, this new genre of sorts. And that's one thing horror films can do, is almost kind of delve into other genres and kind of make them a part of horror. Um, and it's really interesting how they do it. Um, so I kind of want to talk to you guys about how horror is used as a backdrop for some other stuff. Um, obviously, uh, in like, some TV shows and some films, you'll see... Um, like tense moments or like scary moments used as kind of helping to further the plot line um, what do you guys think about moments like uh, that and other any other genre you can think of not just comedy specifically but any other genre you can think of do you think they help the performance do you think horror is almost overreaching its bounds here
0: I think the main reason we like watch most movies or TV or anything is like to get an emotional reaction and I feel like horror itself like fear is such a kind of easy and good reaction to tap into that i just i enjoy it when other genres kind of tap into it just to help create that reaction
2: i think horror also pairs well with action and like the like action movies or tv shows are where my heart lies um just because that makes everything high stakes where if you have Mm -hmm. if you have this hero or this person that like desperately needs to get this accomplished whatever that is but there's a very real element of of fear of danger that just i don't know it just heightens everything
1: good thoughts good thoughts um so we're going to talk about you know kind of the same way we did with cycle we're going to talk about the production aspects of cabin in the woods uh directed by drew goddard um how do you think overall just kind of at a face value before we kind of dive in um how did you feel the movie looked felt how it sounded um, were there any key moments you noticed stood out were there anything um, strange you thought could have been done better could have been done worse it's a I, big it's a big question yeah. i know but go ahead Mitch.
3: i actually haven't got a chance to see cabin in the woods so uh i, won't, mm-hmm. I don't have much to say yeah but um any
1: thoughts from sarah matt
2: um, I rewatched Cabin in the Woods this afternoon, uh, to kind of refresh my brain. I, I love the film. I think it's, it's so tropey. It's wonderful. Uh, as far as visually the way it looked, I think that plays in part with the amount of tropes that the film, uh, played on where there are certain things that had been kind of established in horror movies. So of course they tried to replicate certain aspects. Um, I don't know. I like the look of the zombies and the monsters at the end, which for early thousands didn't look too bad. hmm um, but yeah I liked it I liked the film a lot
0: uh, this was another one that I'd never seen until last week and I absolutely loved it and I feel like a lot of it wouldn't work well in other things but the whole movie itself was so campy that it all just kind of came together in just a really great way and
1: just I loved the whole thing, the look, everything good thoughts alright um, one thing you kind of mentioned it right there too that uh, Cabin in the Woods does really well, um, for those who don't I maybe not have seen the movie. Um, Spoiler alert, obviously. Um, What the movie does is it kind of plays on the tropes and uh, a lot of things other horror films do. Um, Specifically, like, for instance, Psycho, the creepy house on the top of a hill. Um, You got, as you mentioned, zombies. You got, you know, like the little creepy journal you might find in an attic or a basement, stuff like that. Um, A lot of how they set up horror films are really kind of almost guided in the sense that it's almost predictable. Um, And Cabin in the Woods kind of makes fun of this. Um, What did you guys think about how it approached uh, the conflict in the movie, specifically how they almost chose what was going to happen to them?
2: I, um, the stoner character, Marty, is by far my favorite character in the entire film just because he's he's the most self-aware that they're in a horror movie. Um, And the entire movie is self-aware, and I love things that are self-aware. But the fact that he, like... uh, uh, dana finds the little book and she's like and then there's something written in latin and he's like don't read the latin like he knows that it's going to summon some great evil i don't know. it's it is so campy um and so wonderful in that way
1: any thoughts on this matt
0: my favorite part of the entire movie is when one of the characters is like okay we'll just stick together no one split up and then they're kind of like you said being guided to make bad decisions and like immediately he's like you know what never mind we should split up and it's just it's such a funny thing making
1: fun of the terrible decisions people make in horror movies and even then what did you guys think about how specifically the movie ended in the sense where um it had or it was kind of the overlying plot not so much how it ended but um how they had to die in a certain order that most of the ways, most horror movies have people killed off in this exact certain order, just to kind of play tropes on that. What did you guys think about that?
2: I think the fact that it's it's meta and it, it breaks a decent amount of the fourth wall um, is kind of a commentary just about the horror genre itself, obviously, but also the way that people make horror movies and the way that audiences receive horror movies, where we mm-hmm. expect the You know, the whore to die first and the virgin to make it to the end. And that's the order that these people are given where it's like, you have to kill off this poor group of teenagers in this order or else the demons won't be happy. Um, that's, I don't know. I think it's just an interesting commentary on, I don't know, that we... We expect these certain things mm-hmm. in certain movies, and they're just like, yeah, we're going to give you that, but with this little twist.
1: As far as a plot device, you even kind of set it there. Did you like how it twisted that angle a little bit? Do you have any more thoughts on that? or?
2: Oh, yeah. I love, I love anything that's, that's self-aware and that takes, takes certain things, certain tropes in movies that they know is like, this probably isn't a good thing, but they know it and do it anyway just to like make fun of it. So as a plot device, I thought it was brilliant. And Joss Whedon is excellent at everything he does. So
0: <laughs> I completely agree. I just think the best thing you can do when something's ridiculous in your movie or whatever it is is just be able to make fun of yourself. And this movie does that amazingly. Like most horror plot lines are kind of ridiculous and they just point that out and just run with it. Nice. Um
1: and this film's a little easier to talk about. Um, I know I kind of ventured it a little bit, but it kind of segued into tropes and the whole how that's discussed in the movie. But I'm going to kind of loop back to more of the general production aspects, lighting, uh, camera work, stuff like that. Um, I would say this film kind of made it a little easier in the sense that it almost played with the way horror films in general kind of conduct themselves as far as those categories are concerned. Did you guys notice anything standing out? Or did you feel it kind of... Had the, it kind of played with um, what am I trying to say? It kind of played with the technical aspects in such a way that you thought it was funny, and you never really had noticed them in other horror films before.
2: Yeah, again, it made it super meta. Where, for example, you have um, Chris Hemsworth character and. Uh, the blonde I can't I'm so bad with names um and I just watched this movie this afternoon Jules Luden. Yeah. <laughs> is her name um, by when Hutchinson. they're when they sneak out of the cabin to have like romantic evenings they, they can have sex mm-hmm. in the middle of the woods because that's sanitary but <laughs> yeah. um they see this like patch of grass and the moonlight is shining in but then mm-hmm. you see that that's all orchestrated by this like shady agency that's trying mm-hmm. to get this all done and so it's I don't know, it just makes everything more ridiculous, where you see this in other horror movies and other slasher films, where it's like, look at this couple, what they're going to do, and you see this perfect shot of the woods, well, it's that's it's all faked. Everything mm-hmm. is orchestrated, and the fact that that point is put into the narrative just makes it that much funnier.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I agree that, like, just kind of, like, everything that got set up, like, it kind of is like Scream, where there's like the rules, like you don't have sex, you don't do all these things. And no matter what, like it's orchestrated. Like in every movie, it kind of, I didn't realize until they were pointing things out. Every movie has the same idea.
1: So, yeah, other than, um, I know we kind of talked about the lighting right there. Um, do you, did you guys notice any specific camera shots? How it played with, um, How it played with the way that what the camera was looking at and how things were lit in those camera shots. Because what horror films do a lot of the times and kind of just speaking generally here about horror films in a whole. um, They're not well lit, so to speak, to the point where it actually saves them on set design and production um, to not light things well. So you can kind of cheat a little bit how things are done. So do you guys have any thoughts on that specifically or. I
0: might be like completely making this up, but I thought it was interesting that the whole time they were in like the horror movie outside in the cabin or whatever, everything was kind of dark and what you expect horror movies to be. But then when they went downstairs to the like lab, everything was kind of like brightly lit and white. Like I felt like that was kind of like breaking the fourth wall again.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Um, to kind of like I said, I'm going to get a little general here. Um, a lot of what horror films do is um, they'll generally stay within certain guidelines those guidelines being they're low budget they're not well lit and they're generally they generally try to just be as cheap as possible and make the most money um, one specific example I can think of I'm not sure if you've all seen it which is okay but um, paranormal activity you guys remember that one way back and yeah. I believe it was yeah. 2004 um, that movie was huge as far as the horror film genre is concerned that movie kind of almost sparked all of the horror films we're seeing today um, for good reason, too. I think that film only cost around, un, I think it was under 50000 to make, and it made over a freaking billion, I believe. Like, it oh made God. so much, or the franchise as a whole, maybe not the film itself, but um, the franchise as a whole has made over a billion now. That's ridiculous. Like... What did you Do you guys think uh, their approach in being so cheap to the point where they can get them out quicker, do you think that helps in, like, kind of rapid-fire horror movies? Do you think that would help the industry? Or do you think if we had higher quality, long you know, like, better production quality horror movies, do you think that would help a little more? Or do you think these rapid-fire horror films are working?
2: I think it depends. Obviously, Paranormal Activity is a huge franchise. People eat them up. People love the whole found footage, you know, element of horror. Personally, I... What what gets me with horror movies is most of the time the plot kind of sucks and the characters are mediocre. And so when you get kind of these like really quick rapid fire horror movies, a lot of those narrative elements slip. So personally, I'd rather have a movie with a lot of thought and energy put into it. It doesn't have to be high budget, but at least like, you know, a decent script with decent actors is nice.
3: Uh, for but me, at that. least, uh, I'm sort of on the opposite end of the spectrum where I believe uh, if a Movie has a limited budget; it sort of allows the crew to experiment a little bit more with uh, the way they approach things. Any thoughts on this, Matt? I feel like very seldom
0: can I find a horror movie that actually scares me, and I feel like that is a Mm -hmm. lot of times because of like the rapid fire thing that it's just where they're gonna pack a bunch of jump scares into. You kind of expect Mm -hmm. what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. I feel like if they maybe took a little more time and thought it out, they could come up with new things to scare you a little more.
2: For example, if I can like side note Go for it. Uh Babadook. Great horror movie. Mm -hmm. Excellent characters. Beautifully plot driven. Super low budget. Like it's that's that's an example of something with a narrative with good actors, with good characters, with a good story that actually really kind of freaked me out and got under my Mm -hmm. skin when I watched it. But it didn't you know, it wasn't a multi million dollar production.
0: It follows is another one like that, that it was Mm -hmm. a new concept, pretty low budget, just something new that was fairly
1: narrative driven, that was really good and kinda scary. All right. Um, good thoughts there, guys. Um, while we're speaking generally here, um, I kind of want to throw it just kind of open-ended. What do you guys think about the horror film genre as a whole? Do you like it? Do you think it compares to some of the other genres in terms of popularity? Um, do you think it's kind of a wasted genre maybe that you don't really think it needs to be there, that these types of movies aren't really worth anything? What do you guys think?
2: Um, I've been doing this thing in the month of October, where I've tried to watch a different mm-hmm. horror movie every day. It hasn't worked out because I've been crazy busy. But I've watched, I've watched a lot of horror movies over the past few weeks. And personally, as someone who, when I was younger, I hated horror movies. I was terrified of anything paranormal-related or any sort of, like, monster hiding in the dark. But now, as I'm older watching them, I can appreciate them for what they are. Again, um, horror movies that are more plot-driven, uh, with good characters, with a good narrative. I think... I think there's something to being scared. I mean, that's, that's why I like to ride roller coasters, because it gets your adrenaline going, and that's the same amount of fear that you can have while watching a horror movie. So if you're into, you know, just getting your blood pumping where you're not entirely sure what's around each corner, then yeah, I think horror's a great genre. And there's so many subsets of horror, where there's slasher films, there's paranormals, there's thrillers. Like, anyone can find a horror movie that they like.
3: I believe for the horror genre uh, that there's a lot more overused tropes in a lot of movies. Yep. Do you think that negatively
1: impacts the genre? Do you think they could kind of maybe step away from those and be more unique? Or do you think as a whole the horror genre almost needs these tropes to be called horror? Uh, it's an interesting question, I know. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
3: in some ways uh, they sort of do have to rely on the tropes for the way they approach the movies. But uh, it would be interesting to see more movies get out there and be uh, unique definitely definitely any thoughts on this matt uh i think that it wouldn't hurt them to
0: stray a little bit that you can definitely make a good horror movie without sticking to the tropes and it's it's always good to experiment within a genre Mm -hmm. nice
1: all right and while we're kind of breaking down the podcast here we are running a little short on time so i'm just going to kind of wrap it up with a few uh one last little fun segment actually um if you guys are comfortable with it, I want you guys to tell me times where you were absolutely scared out of your mind. Maybe not out of your mind, but where you kind of got a little shaky watching a film, TV, anything. Like, if there's anything specifically in your memory that you feel like sharing. And if you don't, that's cool. Just I'm just kind of looking to gauge the room here. Maybe it'll be a little fun, maybe it won't.
2: Okay, I can start. The first horror movie that like I ever watched in its entirety was The Grudge. And I was like... 11 12 something like that is that a sleepover of course because when else (laughs) are a bunch of girls gonna watch a horror movie and i was terrified for weeks um the scene where she's like uh where the grudge is like on top of the bed and then the girl hides under the covers and then she lifts up her covers and the grudge is like under the covers with her dude i had to sleep on a couch for like (laughs) weeks because i was terrified that the grudge would be in my bed um but again, I was like 11 or 12. Now, I, I haven't watched that movie since then. I'd love to watch it again and see what my opinions on it are.
3: Yeah. Any thoughts, Mitch? What scared you? I'd like to thank my family for uh, showing me The Thing uh, when I was young. Nice. Just the thought of basically anyone could be The Thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, that that's a cool concept, too. Um, I know they recently really did it. I didn't really like that one. I'm assuming you're talking about the older one. Yeah. I love that film so much. But, yeah.
0: Any thoughts? What scared you, Matt? Uh, when I was 10, I went to my parents' room and I took their copy of Scream, now my favorite horror movie, and just the beginning scene where Drew Barrymore gets, like, terrorized on the phone and then just gets, like brutally murdered it was just i was not ready as a 10 year old
1: for that (laughs) one thing um for me specifically um that kind of scared me was when i was about nine uh was when a lot of the soft films started to come out Mm. and my older brother liked to show me those films and they were they creeped me the hell out the amount of gore in that film or those films specifically is just something that still makes me cringe to this day like i it doesn't so much like disgust me as it just creeps me out a little bit, the amount of excessive gore they had in there. I don't know why, I can't really put a p- finger on it, but like, it's just something that kind of does it for me. But cool, I'm glad you all shared with me. Uh, hopefully this episode wasn't too bad. Um, we're going to sign off here on Input 2. As I said, we are running a little short on time. Uh, once again, I was Wes Womble, your host. Alongside me, I had my co-host. Mitch Smollick. And our two lovely guests today. Matthew, yep.
2: And Sarah James.
1: I just wanted to thank you all for listening, and be sure to stay tuned for the next episode of Input 2, where we will be covering comic book films. Um, One other thing I want all you listeners to do is go over to bitebsu.com. We have a bunch of great content over there, podcasts, videos, news articles. It would be great if you guys could help support uh, us and maybe help get us more podcasts out. So thank you all again, and have a good night.